I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. On this week's edition of the Guitar Nerds podcast, we are joined by Mikey Demas from Skin Dread. In the regular episode, we ask him a ton of your questions, but we get real deep and gritty in the Patreon episode, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, where we ask Mikey questions about the pedals that he's using, the amps that he's using, and working with Rob Chapman, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. And welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Packham. Joined this evening by Matt Knight. Hello. Jay Cross. Hello. Joe Branton. Hello. And special guests, the man, the myth, the legend that is Mikey Demas from Skin Dread. Hey, what's up? Is that the official way to address you? That was expertly done. Excellent. Just Good. Like you've met me before. Yeah. Just a, <laughs> just a few times. Friend of the podcast. Thanks for joining us um, this evening. Thanks for having me. Um, it's, yeah, nice to have you on board. You've been, you've never done it in the actual real life before right well as I was lamenting <laughs> with you earlier my internet is all over the shop so I thought I'm going to come around and do yeah. it in person and, you know, it's just, much better yeah can have a couple of beers and you don't feel like you're on your own at home having a couple of beers absolutely yeah exactly <laughs> on my computer yeah no thanks for um, thanks for coming out we've got loads and loads of questions for you because I asked the Facebook group uh things that they wanted to ask you and we had some really good stuff um but we'll dive into that shortly because i want there's a couple of bits of uh, news that i wanted to cover this week so i thought we'd get that out of the way first then we'll talk about um like your new guitar and the new album and all that sort of stuff cool um but yeah there's a couple of big bits of news that i think we should cover um first one being yamaha whoa hang on whoa you didn't do the thing oh yeah sorry whoa. you need to what, what? It's because we're doing a different how, format. No, okay, a different format. Okay, let's, how, how long have we been doing this podcast? Let's go into a big bucket of things no, 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 that I'd no, like no, no. to be calling. How long have we been doing this podcast? <laughs> five you five just, years. You just messed up the same intro sequence we've done every week for five years. It's because I don't have a mic stand. I'm holding it. I feel like I'm presenting I'm in a different sorry, way. I'm sorry. I did forget to bring an extra mic stand. Yeah. That um, was do, my do the thing. Do the thing. <clears throat> Do the I, thing. I don't know if I want to now. I do, don't do the thing. News. Good. Um, so, first bit of news this week uh, is a pretty big one, I think. Yamaha have purchased Ampeg. Yampeg. Yampeg, indeed. <laughs> so, this is... Uh, obviously, they've been acquiring a few things, starting with the uh, purchase of Line 6, probably being the biggest thing. There's been some other stuff going on behind the scenes as well. But Ampeg, I guess, is the next big guitar brand that they've bought. Um, Joe Branton, thoughts? Um, yes. 
absolutely yes. fantastic. What wonderful news that because Ampeg, uh, the most important bass amp brand of all time. Yeah, um, and they've been they've been lackluster for years now. Like they did some they do like their heritage series and their old reissues but they lost so many of their artists so many of their actual proper endorsing artists recently even the mighty billy sheehan went off to harkey um <laughs> yeah. but but yeah the, like they've left a huge Is gap he with in Hark-key? the market because he yeah, was with, with um, he's with line six EBS. and harkey now because he's you know line six now do a model of the preamp that he uses yeah and he runs that into his heart keys. Maybe Billy Sheehan was the uh, negotiator in this takeover. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he was like, oh, I, know, I know some people at Ampeg because they used to do my, my amps and stuff. I, we... bet, I bet he goes back to Ampeg now. Probably, do you, yeah. Do you think they will make Valve amps again? Yes. Still? Well, because I, I, mean, so. I don't know what was in the product range before. Well, the biggest thing was the... I don't make anything that's remotely mm. Valve. True, but they're not... They're not a quite. I mean, they didn't make anything that was a was a modelling guitar until they bought Line Six. You know, it's not like it's not yeah. like they're doing away with the tech that these companies bring with them. They've just bought the company that I guess they just invented. Like, you know, the slightly different SVT, slightly different situation because of the state that the company, not the state that the companies are in, but the um, the way they're structured. So Yamaha and Line Six almost kind of merged obviously Yamaha being the bigger company um, because they kept on I think pretty much all of the Line 6 staff and they've now formed this Yamaha guitar division which is basically half Yamaha and half Line 6 whereas I think basically Ampeg don't really have anyone obviously they're owned by Loud Loud Group which is Chinese um, and I don't think there's anyone really doing like R&D no. for them. You think was was the the last thing that Ampeg put out with their their Portaflex, the yeah. PF um that were digital um you know class D a lot better on paper than they were in practice. Yeah. Yeah, they were pretty pretty naff. I mean it was a great idea. I love the idea, idea that great they were idea. making affordable portable amps where you could bolt the head into the top of the cabinet and the cabinet had catches on the top of it so you could flip it round and, mm-hmm. and transport it. And use it. it as a coffee table. Yeah, exactly. When you're not playing gigs, which exactly. is, you know, for people who are buying Ampeg most of the time, yeah, you know. Well, we <laughs> the, the problem is we all remember from working in the shop how many of those came back on a on a weekly basis yeah not particularly reliable from yeah. what I remember but they just I think blew up thing. They, just yeah, just, they all just blew up just blew up yeah. and I, I think it was more to do with like they were trying to basically make them too powerful for their yeah. own good and yeah. actually and go on Matt I was going to say I mean from when I started in the shop just Mark Base just really started to dominate in terms of portable gear yeah I think I think they just came about uh, uh, they came about at a very weird time and a, a very unfortunate time you know and yeah. uh, people saw I, I, I think a lot of the problem was people were using them in the wrong way. People thought, okay, yeah, I used to have an Ampeg SVT. I used to have an 8x10. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn this one up to 10. And it's like, well, I mean, it's not really designed to do that. You know? Yeah, they were shaking themselves apart. Yeah. The, the thing is, you know, before they were bought, you know, when they were still making US stuff, they were doing, I think, a roaring trade with things like SVT3, which was the 2U um, valve preamp solid state output, which is, you know... a bit of a mainstay probably all of us at some point have plugged into an svt3 in a gigging situation where there's just been one there Mm -hmm. um and that kind of all went away um mainly i think because the market shifted to things like mark base um but also because i think they weren't really it it was either 
not particularly uh, effect, cost effective for them to make that amp um, but obviously they shifted over to these port flexes so yeah, strange times. I'll be interested to see. I think see. it's going to be great. I'm really excited to see yeah. what they do. I think it's going to be 100% Definitely. awesome. Well, I mean, even judging by the statement they already put out, so there was a statement by Marcus Ryle, who's the head of, or he's one half of the Line 6 uh, and Yamaha Guitar, I think it's just called Yamaha Guitar Department or something. Um, Yamaha Guitar Group, I think, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, you're right. Um, and he basically said, you know, he talked through the history of Ampeg and maybe where they've made a bit of a misstep and what they're going to do under Yamaha is, is try and get back to that. Um, Ampeg Helix. Mm. A- Ampeg Helix. Is, surely <laughs> there's an Ampeg already in the Helix. Yeah, but yeah. I, want, I, want an, I want an Ampeg one. It's, uh, it's the Shampeg, and that's oh. going to be the Ampeg. <laughs> the, Yam, the Shampeg becomes the Ampeg. Yes. That's it. Imagine if they just changed the name of the company to Yampeg. I, that would be fantastic. Yeah. I want to be in the boardroom when that happens. Yeah. I want to call it... Champagne. <laughs> oh wait, Champagne. And for my real friends, Champagne for my yeah, yeah. for my mates. Down yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I'm looking forward to it. If they do a uh, SVT like 450 oh, solid, solid state 450. big box, the worst one. I knew you'd say no, this. It's the greatest one. Quite universally recognised as the no. nappest sounding Ampeg no, of all time. They're great. Of course, that's the one you like. A solid state, yes, 450 watt, yes, piece of crap amp that they put in a pretend no, I like big it. valve housing. So I you like pretend you like owned a valve. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't it was a rack unit. It was just in like the SVT. It's like the classic, but just with one switch. Yeah, because there's no valves in it. Right, and it just goes. Boom. It's so so <laughs> trebly. I love it. I always like the mini, the little mini stack they did. That was what it was, was it? Like a oh yeah, that was fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Was it like an Ampeg Tiny Terror kind of thing? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Completely, <laughs> completely impractical because more you like, just you couldn't gig with it, no, and no, it was too loud for your house. It was more like was it? It was like 200 watts, wasn't it? It was a. It was a CRM 200, I think is what it was called. Um, it was more like, you know, when you see those like mini Marshall stacks, not the like pocket practice yeah. amps, the but the... Pistol, the exactly. Lumpa Lumpa size. Yes, exactly stack. that. Came yeah. with a 210 cab. Yes. Like a vertical basically, 210. Basically useless. Yeah. Because it useless. wasn't particularly good sounding for recording and you couldn't gig it. So. Good for gigging toddlers. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. If you're in... Uh, I've always wanted to do mini Talica where everyone's just playing like three quarter size <laughs> instruments and has tiny little amps. I think that would be... Uh, that's a gap that, in the market there, mate. That's the amp to go for for that. SVT MH 200. Uh, SVT... No, sorry. SVT... MH, the 200 watt microhead. There we go. Called. There we go. Cool. Um, one other bit of news this week: some brand new Jazzmasters from Fender. J Cross, you've obviously got the scoop on this one. Jazzmaster, sure. Jazzmaster. So there's the. Uh, I, I feel like we talked about this. Well, last it happened at NAMM week. Didn't it? I feel like we talked about this last week. You never know the... these Fender embargoes. No, 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 no. It wouldn't have been last week because it came out this week. The 1958 prototype Fender Jazzmaster. Uh, oh, oh yeah, you're right. It, in, it was this week. We're allowed Weird. to talk about in this one. Tone, yeah, completely. It, yeah, in Sunburst with a gold anodized plate. They look amazing. They look amazing. It looks it looks absolutely amazing. So the, it's, it's basically like a replica of the the prototype. But yeah, of the first '58 Jazzmaster. Mm. Um, absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, everything that you'd want from a vintage reissue guitar, seven two five radius. That gold plate looks. Oh, the gold plate. I tell you what, as I as I sort of. I, I don't really want to use the word get older because you know I'm still quite young but as I get older I'm starting to appreciate anodized gold a bit more yeah, I, don't, I don't know I don't know what it is like it's I, a dangerous I'm, slope to go down I know it is I know it is but I'm really <laughs> starting to get to the point like I, I think I, I think I sent a text to you the other day saying like maybe I'm gonna get 
an anodized gold plate. They're cool. I have mm. an anodized plate on my P base. Oh, uh, okay, I'm done. I'd have one I'm on my jazz if I could find a lefty one. Oh, well, maybe mm. I can help you out with that. Oh, there you go. Matt, you're, you're against the gold, right? Um, Most of the time. Actually, I must admit, it did look good on the... What signature am I thinking of? The Dusty Rhodes. Oh, okay. Jay Maskus. Oh, actually, yeah, the was there a Dusty Rhodes? There was a Dusty Rhodes signature, uh, signature gold P base. Gold 51 P base. Yeah, 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 which was gold, gold. with an anodized gold plate and gold hardware. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, that was ridiculous. But yeah, it's great to see. Like the Jazzmaster just looks great with a single piece scratch plate. I'm not sure. And about with that. the um, and with the sort of precision based style rotary controls as well. Yeah, I, I think it's great. I think it's a really, really great guitar. I got to uh, play it at NAMM for a bit. I mean, there was loads going on, so I didn't spend too much time with it. But, I mean, it f- played fantastic, sounded amazing. Has it still got the, the standard trem, like, classic yeah. Jazzmaster trem? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was... He got it right first time. Well, you know, uh, up for negotiation, but, like, he, not much has changed. Right, you know, okay. So it's... Uh, whew, yeah, great guitar. I mean, a fair crack of money. You know, they're 2G, but it's... Um, yeah. Proper. US built this one. Yeah, yeah, US absolutely. Built, comes yeah. in a tweed hard case, really nice. So, is this part officially of the American original series, or uh, is this an, it's, it's no, an anniversary? anniversary. It's, it's anniversary, just, yeah. so it's right. kind of the uh, step above. It doesn't really fall in line with the sort of the naming protocols and the series yeah. of, of the rest of the Fender line, but yeah, it's it's kind of the step above American original. So, it's an anniversary model. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I mean, who knows? But presumably, there will be. As the the anniversaries come through, there'll be more. I mean, I guess there's not really anything now until 62. But um, I haven't seen any of the American originals in the flesh yet. Are they? They're out there over here. They're oh, doing their thing. Yeah, oh. they are. They're, in fact, um, they are. They've been so popular that we've even we've struggled to keep. We've struggled to keep up with demand. They yeah. have. They've been so much more popular than even the American vintages were last year. Wow. Um, it's it's absolutely crazy. I think they're my favourite thing that Fender have ever yeah, done as a series. It's it's really it, it's. I was a, like a bit sceptical to be completely honest with you because I, I always thought that well, the American I, Vintage was such a niche the series. American Vintage stuff was niche but then there was uh, you know there was a bit of a, a step back maybe two two three, maybe like three four years ago where a couple of things changed some of the models were discontinued and there was a bit of consolidation down into just a few you know a few choice specs and uh, and I was a little bit um, wary when it was announced to us that the the vintage was being replaced by the original but honestly I couldn't have been proven more wrong by mm. just by like the market we cannot keep them in stock everything is they're, well, they're I so think good there are so many people out there that love a, a vintage spec guitar and mm. for Fender because the standard line and now the pro line are, are so so modern in in their style it's become awkward to get anything that's mm. any good and the problem with the vintage series is i think they were so vintage that you had to be really into that like yeah. the fact that they came with the ashtray pickup covers yeah. the strats came with the ashtray bridge cover like already fit <clears throat> now you actually get those with all the american originals but they don't come fitted so it and it they have a modern element to them mm. but with enough old school they just—they've got vibe. They're like the American Pro series. If the American Pro series wasn't quite so anemic, mm. it's—they're cool. The, I, think, I think you posted about them on on the group, and I was ready to jump on it, going, "Ah, there's nothing <laughs> left." And then I went and checked it out, and I couldn't believe it. There's like the amount of lefties, three or four lefties on there. Yeah, and I'm I'm gunning for the. I think it's the '60s Strat. Yep. and the '50s Tele. Uh-huh. I'm gunning for one each of them. Really? Absolutely, yes, okay. 100%. Well, just, just, just know, Mikey, that uh, for, and these guys will attest to this, for a long time, <laughs> for a long time, I've been fighting the corner of the uh, the lefty 
and uh, ever since being a fender it's like it all i do is say like oh yeah so uh what lefty ones are these eh <laughs> and uh yeah, yeah so Take it's credit, uh, man. just say you know it's all you're doing well <laughs> absolutely i mean uh, there's no one here to refute it yeah. so yeah you're welcome good for you mate thank you thank you <laughs> one more bit of uh, fender news that actually i didn't put on the uh, the running order and something that jay cross uh, spotted and sent to me yesterday uh was there's been uh, there's been some johnny mar jaguar news Something that I just saw on the uh, on the fretboard forum, yeah, yeah, is a uh, this Johnny Marr has been pictured playing a uh, playing with oh, a Fernandez he's left Fender, hasn't he? He's left Fender and he's gone to Chapman now. Yeah, Johnny Marr is using uh, <laughs> sure. yeah, he's using one of the Rabia uh, <laughs> Baritones. Uh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard that new record. Whew, let me tell you. Um, no, yeah, Johnny Marr pictured using a uh, Fernandez sustainer in his uh, in his in his live set. So goodness knows what's going so on there. Not the picture is not the bare knuckle pickups that are in there. It looks like some sort of Seymour Duncan JB in the bridge. Well, I assume it's probably just the pickups the, from a from an Ed O'Brien. Be, yeah, I was going to say it sounds like if it's JB in the bridge, it'd be the Ed O'Brien pickups. Yeah, yeah, that's what I reckon it probably is. I mean, Very- that is the ultimate combo for me. I really want one of those Johnny Marr Jaguars. I they're so they they're so amazing. good. They're so so good. That's one I've coveted for a long time as well, and they don't do them. Left-handed, of course, but you know that's a given in it. You know. Well, I think that side of things is a bit more difficult because um, the artist stuff. I mean, you you probably would know more about this than than we would. I mean, you you've got your uh, you've got your uh, Manson signature here, so maybe you're the person to talk about this. But mm-hmm. my understanding is that all when it comes to artist signatures, there's so much that goes into it. Like mm-hmm. they, prob- I know that. Uh, for example, when there was the switchover from uh, Rosewood boards to Palferro, yep. um, pretty much everything changed except for the artist models because it's so difficult to change anything mm. once a artist model is out on the market because you need to mm. the contract is all signed and everything. So right. I don't know if you had anything like that. Yeah, we talked about maybe doing it in a different word. I mean, I think that Manson sorted their Sighty stuff out right at the right time where it was up in the air whether they were going to have it together or not and they they make they make all kinds of stuff anyway out of all kinds of different woods but I only ever really use rosewood I really want to stick with that they talked about putting ebony on it which was like meh talked about using palfero I was like yeah maybe and then all of a sudden it wasn't a problem anymore so yeah. it's rosewood on all of them which is yeah. great but um, yeah. but yeah I mean they probably couldn't change anything without Right. You I mean I'm saying, pretty yeah. I'm pretty easy going well of course yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I mean I don't know I don't know the stipulations of, say, Johnny Mars contract with his well, no, Jaguars. No. <laughs> if you put Pal Farrell on these things, I'm going to come around your house <laughs> <laughs> smash my ES335 over your head. So we expect to see <laughs> no some, one wants that. expect to see some Mikey signatures with chaos pads without your knowledge. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Pretty soon, right? Whammy strips. Yeah. Lighty, up, lighty uppy bits. Yeah. <laughs> the MDMB signature. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, I'm not going to be doing any of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, talking about that, we should, um, while you're here, we should talk about um, what's been going on with you. Uh, new record out. Yes. Um, and seems to be doing rather well. It's doing good, yeah. It got to, it came in at number one in the rock charts. Woo! Yeah! So uh, yeah, we were we were stoked with that. Um, Did I see that you were on a plane when it was announced, and you got off the plane? Yeah, and like you all immediately checked your phones, and it was like ah. Yeah, we landed in Mexico um, to do this festival last weekend, and it was all yeah. We had no idea that it had gone to number one, so we were 
really happy and we Amazing. were a bit jet lagged and a bit wiped out <laughs> and a bit pissed from drinking on an 11 hour flight that kind of thing so who did you beat out for number one um, who did we knock knock off the top spot I had a photo of it hang on you've done it now I have to trawl through the photos I've got to find out now I think I've got a screen grab of it somewhere come back to me I'll, okay fine I'll, I'll tell fine. you well um, we bought a copy which yeah, was uh, you know it's to uh, support the cause Guitar Nerds Limited purchased a copy of the <laughs> the, the latest album thank you We I'll t- I can tell you officially we knocked off A Perfect Circle and Blackstone Cherry who are directly underneath us how about that how about them apples, those cherries? I didn't know they... I knew Perfect Circle was still together. I didn't realise Blackstone Cherry was still kicking Yeah, he just oh, yeah, had a PRS signature, didn't he? What's his name? You tell me. <laughs> Some fellow. Some fellow. I don't know. Okay. Good Good that we're on top it of was, it. It was a rubbish PRS, though. It, it? it looked rubbish. So Manson Guitars beat PRS. I mean. we, yeah, that's what, we, that's what that's, we've learned. They'll love that. Yeah. They will bloody love <laughs> Put that on the box. <laughs> um, Chris Robertson? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the Is that yeah, his name? it was like he had a single cut sort of... It was of, like a Starla, but with some... Also, a mirror, Starla, one of them. I think, I think uh, he played the Starla thing. That's the one I'm that had sure the Bigsby and stuff. Two, yeah. two horrible colours, though. It was, uh, yeah, available in a in a horrible blue or a horrible red. I remember that. Joe Branton recommends. Did oh. you see? Do you see the cover of the new A Perfect Circle record? Yeah, it's so weird. It is weird. It's so so weird. The record is called Eat the Elephant, and it's, and it's some it's, guy with half his head shaved going, please. Yeah, yeah. with like a. A squ- an octopus yeah, some sort of cephalopod um, maybe they kind of just were like sitting around a table going right so what sort of artwork and he's like mm, shaved head octopus it's like got it it's Josh <laughs> it's Josh Freeze and, and that was no. it it was too late they booked it they paid for it done Josh Freeze is no. not in a perfect circle anymore he's not but I tell you what funny you should mention Josh Freeze sorry to uh, move away from you Mikey hey, no but um, we were looking up we were, I was looking at Josh Freeze Today at work on the internet. Not he's that playing he's the Sting, isn't he? He, I, I tell you, the number of records he's been on is obviously bonkers. Oh yeah. But some of the albums that he's done, I haven't realised he played um, on. He played drums on Let Go, the Avril Lavigne yep. record. He, um, yeah, as you say, he's been playing for Sting. Mm-hmm. He was in Suicidal Tendencies yep. very early. Yep. Um, he. Some of the stuff is just uh, Selena Gomez. I think it was mm-hmm. that he was on. It's just bonkers. He must just live around the corner from the. Uh... Well, he lives in LA. He's well, all yeah. He's all LA always man. lived in it. You know, he was in the Disney band, which is why. Oh, really? You know, the like Disneyland marching band. He was the. Right. He's, he's a Mouseketeer. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, that's kind of how he got into the business. And then obviously his brother is um, trumpet player for Green Day. Or sax player. Sax, uh, I think he does both actually. Okay. But um, Jason. Yeah, so I think they're like LA musician family. Anyway, so for those who don't know, um, what's the it's album on the called? Last Bruce Springsteen record. <laughs> trying to sell something here. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, it's all good. It's all for good. those who don't know, what's the album called? Um, yep. And what is the what's the vibe? The album's called Big Tings, and it's full of big tings. Basically, okay. <laughs> we wanted to do a record that had like you know, bigger choruses, bigger songs, and. You know, I'll try, I'll try to put some earworms on there. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I wanted to get away from the last record we did was kind of a bit of a riff fest, and we were kind of a bit bit disillusioned and pissed off with the release before. Kind of got seduced by some label nonsense, and then decided we were just going to do band in a room, smashing instruments around, kind of thing. And then that that did really well, and then we were kind of forgotten all about that. It's like when you get tattooed and enough time goes past when you go right I'm willing to get my heart broken and hurt all over again yeah. let's aim big and do some biggies <laughs> so yeah we did that and um, yeah it's, it's doing well it's doing really well and the re- reception's been really good um, the uh, second single well third single actually we did like three singles in as many months because we're just bamming them out okay um, but the third single That's My Jam is currently 
think number 34 in the active rock in the US okay. which is oh, wow. killer. we haven't had anything top 40 since um, Nobody which is like 15 years ago so. oh I mean, wow yeah. yeah the video is great oh, I, was thank, I, watched, I was watching the video it's really really good I was directed really funny. and directed carried out licensed by our drummer Aria oh okay did, cool. did the whole thing yeah along with um, a, a fellow called Steve Clark who did the orange uh, mini crush micro crush Mini Crush? Micro Crush? Micro Crush. Micro Crush, sorry. Uh, that advert that I did with Orange oh, yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah, in their warehouse. And oh, cool. I got on with Steve really well. And he um, he, he sort of, he did that video. For nice. That's my yeah. nice. The, when, when I was watching the video, and cause, so the video, for people who haven't seen it, is uh, someone wearing a cat mask, mm-hmm. like walking around. And first of all, I was like, I think I think that's Mikey. Like this, <laughs> like he's got the wow. sun got the sunglasses, got like wearing all black, like like hiding the beard. I think it's my. And then the cat did a backflip. I was like, yeah. okay, no, it's, okay, it's no, not Mikey. No, 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 no. He's super thin, but thank you. <laughs> he's like really stout. He's really athletic. I was like, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, but yeah. No, there's no backflips. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Right up until right up until the, the backflip came on, I was like, yeah, it's definitely him, hundred percent. And then it was like, okay, yeah, no, maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> that's how we get you on the show. Just compliments, you know. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's the way. Shower me What's with that. Was your signature model ready when you started recording the record? It was. Oh, sweet. So it, did you manage to do the bulk of it on that? Do you know what? What normally happens is I take about 15 to 20 guitars into the <laughs> studio and the idea that I'm going to use a little bit of this, a little bit of that, or it gets whittled down into about two or three that are on everything. Uh-huh. And the that very guitar is on 98% of everything. Amazing. Oh, and that's the, that's the prototype, the yeah. Manson prototype. Yeah. That's cool. It just... I don't know what it was. I think it is. I think we had some. We were going back and forth with what the bridge pickups were doing with some of the ones I had before, and they're quite larry. Right. And that's great for live and stuff. But when when you go into the studio, a lot of the time the producer we work with is like, "It's too much. Dial it back. You're a twat, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. <laughs> so, and that one's got a, a lower output than my silver custom mats that I was right. using for a while and that's just it's the ticket do you know what the pickup is it is one of Manson's own it's actually made by Simon Thorne who is making now psychopath pickups right. for Manson and that is known as a British rail iced tea of course of course yeah. of course <laughs> so you talked about like um, the you know it's perhaps bigger production on this one than on the last one yeah we did it at, um, at Real World Studio okay. which is Peter Gabriel's oh, wow. place in yep. Box just outside Bath we were there for a couple of weeks and then we did uh, vocals at Rockfield in Monmouth in, which is where they did Bohemian Rhapsody and Oasis did What's the Story Morning Glory there and Stone Rosa did one of their second album which <laughs> name is completely Second Coming yes thank you I think they did the second record um, yeah and it's you walk in there both those places and you're kind of like why have they let me in here? <laughs> Steeped in sort of history and nostalgia and pedigree and heritage and all that good stuff. And so we turn up and did our best that we could at the time. <laughs> it's like a real studio. Yeah. So- yeah. Real world is, well, the way I equate it is kind of like real world is like Star Trek, Star Trek, the next generation and Rockfield's like original Star Trek. Okay. Where's DS9? Because that'd be the one I've been going to. It's the worst one. It's not. It's not. It's not the worst one. Yeah, it's probably the worst know. one. Best story writing. 
Oh, it's the DS, DS9 is the worst one. Yeah, DS9 is the, the best one. one. Next um, generation. So, at, at bigger production, how does that pan out on what you're doing with guitar? Not necessarily what you're using as such, but um, in well, terms I, of... We should talk about that, though. We should well, talk about the amps the, and pedals. The reason I was going to hold off on that, actually, is because we've got some questions later on that right. di- delve into that specifically. But okay. in terms of what you're doing guitar-wise, mm-hmm. um, how does that pan out? If the previous record was you guys just in a room smashing it out, what were you doing different on this record? Kind of. I suppose last time it was more focusing on riffier songs, you know, stuff that we we would be playing live and the, the idea that the crowd would be jumping up and down. But this time it was more... We're trying, I was trying to be a bit more strict with... I don't mind if people just stand there and watch this one. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's difficult because our live show is quite has a reputation for being energetic and that, but really had a be in my bonnet to write some couple of sort of biggie tunes on this record and it didn't matter if they weren't like you know yeah 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 jump up and down festival classics yeah exactly i just wanted people to be going humming you know walking away humming things rather than knackered from jumping around you know what i mean (laughs) and uh that was the difference really and that that goes from just a songwriting point of view more so than just approach to guitars or anything but uh, just doing less you know doing less I, i remember wanting to write a like a riff that anyone could play you know what I mean like I think there's like a riff and big things which is so it's just so easy we do, I do, I've done some summer school stuff for, for BIM and places like that before and we'll do a skinned red song for the students and I walk in thinking we'll do a really easy one this will be really easy because you know it is I'm not like a mental guitar player it's easy yeah but some, you know trying to grasp some of the rhythmic stuff we do is like it needs to be easier it needs to be easier for people to play you see you know and that was something I wanted to be able to do is just bring things back a little bit and make things a bit more do you think I hate, I hate to say it mate but that is you, you're becoming you're becoming a dad yeah this is this is <laughs> thinking this about is, the kids this is the dad in you coming out now oh. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, do do you think that's had an effect on you know the performance of the record? Because you know it sounds like this is the most successful one for quite some time. Do you think that approach to the songwriting has had a positive effect, and why it's performing so well? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's just putting some more thought into it. You know, okay. and just really, really being hard on is this any good? You know, because I think 
a lot of bands walk around in a bubble where they think everything they do is incredible and you're generally told by the people around you oh it's so amazing and all this stuff and a lot of the time it's not the case you know a lot of the time you're churning out okay stuff yeah and for me i was just you know really being hard on is this good enough we started writing beginning of last year and you know i was i had all kinds of ideas floating around and was just binning so many of them because i was like this is just going down a road i don't want to go down and it's to be so easy to do this different but, label this time around same label as the last record okay actually but um yes yeah, on napalm which is a really savage metal label yeah and it's uh they love it apparently Napalm love what we do, but a lot of Napalm's fans like, <laughs> on is the it, YouTube. Is that the same label as Meshuggah? Is Meshuggah? Um, I don't know. Napalm? They might be now, but there's a load of really heavy bands on there. There's a load of really heavy bands, and um, Napalm's YouTube is one of the most savage places. I, I mean, YouTube's a pretty hostile environment anyway for for criticism, and yeah. We get nailed on the, on the Napalm YouTube man. I mean, you it's got the brutal. you got the classic combination of metalers and YouTube comments. Yeah, um, and yeah. we're not I, we're not really a metal band. Sure, know? I mean, there's got you know there's a couple of there's metal moments, but which is sounds like an Alan Partridge thing. But, yeah, but <laughs> metal moments with Mike. Um, but it's it's just you know we're we're, we're a rock band first and foremost, yeah. and we want to write big tunes. And I don't know if if ninety percent of a metal label following can get the head around that but for me it's a bigger picture thing where I'm not really bothered about that you know I see a label as a means to get a record out yeah and Napalm have been great they've they believe in what we do and they don't get involved creatively they just let's do what we want to do and we're totally okay with that Jay it looks like you've just pulled up a list of other bands on Napalm let's see uh, where Skindred fit in one of them is called Audrey Horn oh I'm into that that's a good uh, that's a good band name (laughs) sounds like they, they have fringes Audrey Horn. I don't. Um, yeah. I mean, the the front cover is a man in a suit, but you can only really see his middle part, and then coming out of the pocket is an octopus. So, is that yeah? What's going on here? Is that like the other half of the perfect circle? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Two octopuses, octopi. Just a guy with octopi. he's pie. He's gone. He's got the other half of his hair instead of the the fell on. The um, perfect yes, yeah, so some of the other bands on Napalm. You've got uh, you've got American Head Charge. You've got some some sort of like sort of throwback kind of new metal bands also mm-hmm. even on like american head, head charge mm-hmm. huberstank oh wow uh who else did yeah, i see just on here? To, i'll tell you what, alter bridge are on there they're a big one of those oh yeah alter bridge mm-hmm. yeah that's right yeah they're on here yeah. uh wasp wow um wasp yeah so uh that's them the sword yeah uh who else have we got on here who i know uh, uh skin dread i think i've heard of yeah i think um, uh, Ailstorm are on there as well okay Ailstorm, oh, yeah. Ailstorm are not, there. not to be confused with hailstorm but no Ailstorm. monster magnet okay yeah uh yeah coal chamber damn brant bjork i think devil think? driver might be on there now as well actually uh devil driver are yeah. on there yeah yeah, because uh, that's the other guy. That's the guy from Cold Chamber. His other band. Um, I, actually, I think it's it's better if you sort by genre because genres include death metal, black metal, thrash metal, <laughs> Vi- Viking Viking folk metal. Uh, yeah, that must be Ailstorm. That is yeah. Ailstorm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, nice. I, hope, I hope that they've included Raga punk metal. There. <laughs> I ha- I'm writing a strongly worded letter to the head of Napalm. Yeah, tonight. I was going to say where the skin dreadful. Come under rock. I think like right at the end, they're just like and rock that's fine I'm okay with that all, ver- all versions of metal and then rock at the end every, every which includes the band Bloody Hammers 
Bloody hell. Okay, never heard of them. No, label mates. And <laughs> what we should do is we got a ton of questions from the Facebook group, and they kind of go over um, some more stuff about the album, what you're using in the live setup, and uh, and things these days. But um, so let's let's go to those. Stuart says, um, oh, in fact, Joe, do you want to do the questions jingle <clears throat> before we? I, c- I can't believe this. <laughs> it's because it's a different format. I, I can't believe this. And then you show me up. Just do the thing. Say the words. Questions for Mikey. <laughs> I've Good. messed this whole thing up. My yeah. presence is ruined. It's thrown us. I've it's thrown us. I'm sorry. Um, Stuart says, how has the industry changed um, and affected you over the last 15 years from physical media, media to digital media and streaming services? Um, well, obviously, we were around at the beginning of the 2000s where that was the sort of dawning of all the the change of the tide of how music was distributed and listened to and bought and sold. And yeah, yeah, we sold a hell of a lot of records in early 2000s in the US. Um, and then that sort of all faded into people downloading stuff digitally, listening to things and so on, which we've always been fine with. I mean, I've never really had a problem with how music's distributed or sold. I mean, you're talking about someone else not getting paid for for that. You know, it's never yeah. we never really saw any kind of huge amount of income from records. We were on a major label, so... You know that all just gets eaten. Yeah, you know, we were doing things. We were, you were not really privy to what things cost when you're on a major. Not really. Not when you're sort of green and wet behind the ears. And uh, <laughs> we would, we, we, you'd receive a load of video treatments for your next single. And we did this video for this song called Pressure, and had a load of video treatments turn up. And there was about five or six, and they were all very glamorous. There was one that was like, right, we're going to put you on a yacht going down Times Square in New York and the traffic's all parted and it's like the, and we were like no we're not going to do that one like why the, why the fuck didn't we do that one <laughs> um, I'm sorry for swearing by the way that's okay um, and then there was another one that, which was uh, directed by which was proposed by the DJ from Linkin Park oh yeah Joe Hunt okay, yeah. you were asking the wrong audience yeah, yeah. sorry yeah anyway he, um, he put together this really cool treatment which for some reason we went no we're not going to do that and we went with this. We went with this idea for this song, for the for the video that w- that we thought sort of was a good idea. And we didn't find out till afterwards that that treatment cost about two hundred seventy thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, instantly, you're. That's got to be less than shutting down Times Square for a day, though, doesn't it? I know. In hindsight, really, we should have been on that yacht, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen? Um, what's it? Is it Romancing the Stone? Yeah, yeah. 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 I saw that the other day and thought that could have been me <laughs> on the back of that thing. Um, yeah, so things like that, you know, you're in massive amounts of debt to this to this company, and you could sell a lot of records and still not see anything for it. So it it didn't really make a lot of difference. Um, so to answer the guy's uh, question, Stuart was it? Yeah, Stuart. Um, Stuart Tate, I think, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, Stuart Tate, bad man. Yeah, <laughs> I got, got, got a lot of good things to say about Stuart Tate. He's a good guy. Um, I'll tell you about Stuart Tate in a minute. Yeah, we've, we've got a question actually about him later on. Oh, so, okay, um, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, keep okay, it, cool. keep it for then. But yeah, yeah okay, so. no, no problem. Um, so yeah, I think you just have to embrace those kinds of changes really and work with it. I'm, none of us have ever really been that kind of. It was better back in the golden old days kind of thing. It's you just have to embrace the technology that you have in terms of the gear around you and the the way things are distributed and recorded and all that stuff and just make it work. You know. I kind of feel like it's, you know, holding back the tide anyway. You know, what could you have done about it? Yeah. You know, this things are obviously shifting to digital. It's how do you adapt yeah. to that? You know, there's not really a way back. I think you have to. People are always asking us how, you know, how does a band stay together after like 18, 19 years in the same lineup? And it's things like that. It's, you know, 
adapting and rolling with it. I mean, any band who's together for long enough has had so much shit happen to them. It's enough to make you want to pack up and go home enough times. But none of us do that. We just keep keep on trucking. <laughs> you were saying that um, the most recent video uh, is was it sorry the drummer in your band that directed the the video? Yeah, yeah. He it was his concept, his video treatment, and he saw the whole thing. And obviously, we employed um, Steve Clark, yeah, who's a director. And um, yeah, they they did it over a couple of days in London and Brighton, and had a couple of extras. And it was ve- it certainly didn't cost two hundred seventy. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Really, how much more <laughs> control do you have over that now than you perhaps did back in the day? Um, a lot more. I mean, I, I guess back then you could have been. We we're pretty easygoing guys. Yeah, none of us are massive prima donnas. Well, some of us more than others, but <laughs> no one's. I, I won't mean, ask which. Yeah, I guess back then we could have been like, I'm not doing this, or I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do that, but. No, we were all just stoked to be there and, yeah you know just wow we're doing a video we're, we're shooting it in toronto oh my god they've put us in the four seasons holy shit this is amazing <laughs> so you know um but nowadays obviously everyone's a control freak and every little thing is like everyone micromanages everyone else's little thing because everyone thinks they know the best sure. way to do it but it wasn't really like that 20 years ago we were just kind of very just happy to be alive. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah well i guess it's kind of good and bad in a way because yeah. you know you were probably given some treatments back in the day you had to pick one whereas now it sounds like it's a bit more hands-on doing exactly what you want to do yeah well no one's got the you know no one's really got the budget to make crazy videos that way and not unless you're Rihanna Ed Sheeran you know Snow Patrol that kind of thing you know with us it's we keep it a bit DIY and you know it's kind of it's a promotional thing to get the single out there and rolling online and on video and and on TV and stuff I guess music videos aren't the same as they were. I mean, I remember when I was a kid and like you would sit in front of all the music channels, like scrolling up and down and you mm-hmm. could literally watch music TV for like three or four hours. But like MTV and a lot of the other music channels don't have music videos. Like people make that sort of content for YouTube and it is, yeah. it, it's like, you it's know. It's changed to how you, how you, yeah. your approach to it completely, you know. It's like writing a radio single is different than writing something that you're going to put on YouTube. The same goes for a video as well. I mean, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be three minutes long. It could, you know, you could have four minutes of just nonsense at the beginning of a video before yeah. the song even starts because it mm. sort of, you know, changes the rule book really. Definitely. I was talking with a friend of mine recently about how um, he is structuring the, um, like, the, the uh, lineage of his new record Mm -hmm. and about how you know maybe 10 years ago you could put and what i am a firm believer in like the best song on your record should be the last song because you want people to listen all the way through to the end and it's Mm -hmm. like that's the big like powerhouse the ending song but as you say that's not how people listen to music anymore and it's i mean has that has that evolved over time if you you know do you have to top load the the record to in order to get people interested from the start? I or? think it depends on what your your brief is and what your agenda is for every album. Um, last last record we made, it was kind of like, I don't care about any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this time, like, I do care about that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we wanted to put, we wanted the first few songs to be bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Come out of the gate sort of thing. And, and, you know, on this one, we wanted to do, kind of make it like an LP where it's the end of each side is something oh, cool. big and yeah, yeah, yeah. ballady or slow or so the end of the first side is a song called Tell Me which is a big sort of ballady kind of thing and then again on the on side two the, the last track is an acoustic version of a song called Saying It Now which we recorded electrically on the last album okay and that turns into this big sort of 
Led Zeppelin, Guns N' Roses acoustic. We recorded we recorded a drum kit in a staircase at Real World and uh, had a, 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 a plexi running in a staircase with a microphone at the top of it recording. It was, it was really Amazing. Chris. Yeah. Were you left by yourself that day? Is that how that ended up? Yeah. yeah, just, yeah. No, there was, it, was towards, it was towards the end of the session and um, yeah, we, we were kind of, you know, sod it, let's, let's do all that stuff. Let's get all that fun stuff happening. And there's a, there, there was a tune on the record called Last Chance where it was just lacking something at the beginning and our producer said, I want to do this thing that they do on this song and it involves basically messing with the drums and putting it to tape and then reversing it and then adding this reverb, reversing that, putting it back into... And this whole thing took about two and a half hours for about eight seconds of audio, nice. which is the beginning of the song. And it's just this drum fill, which has this ludicrous reverse reverb on it that we did with the tape machine. and. It's just, you, you know, it was the opportunity to do loads of fun stuff like that. Because there's so many times we've been to studios and there's all this rad gear, all this outboard that you don't even touch a lot of the time because, yeah. you know, you compress stuff and you EQ stuff and then bam. But uh, our engineer, Lee, who um, was absolutely fantastic on this album, he was made it, made it for me. Um, he was never sat down. He was always on his feet, like just... He'd have a thought about how something should sound, and before you knew it, he'd bust all the drums into a space echo and was, you know, crushing the living shit out of it. And it was like, this sounds amazing. What are you doing? And normally, an engineer would be looking to the producer for permission to do that stuff. Yeah. You know, he was just up doing stuff, plugging stuff in, and you know, rooting stuff through things to make it really bonkers. And I think it made the record really. Talking about um, studio stuff, John says, uh, "What's Mikey's amp setup? Would he ever want a signature amp?" Well, is this in the studio or just for life? Well, I guess because I think last time we spoke to you, you were kind of deep into the Axe Effects, uh, mm-hmm. using that for um, bits and pieces. Right. Um, what are you using live now and what did you use predominantly in the okay. studio, I guess? And would you want a signature amp ever? <sighs> signature amp? I don't know. That's a lot of pressure. I yeah. Think it's tricky because I, I, my, the trouble for me with the signature stuff is you want it to do well. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't want and uh, with an amp it's quite a big um quite a big commitment, I think. Signature amps tend it? they an tend amp not to is a bigger commitment than mm. a guitar. They tend not to I sell very well per- either. Yeah. I think yeah. it's more personal an amp. Yeah. Maybe, it depends maybe how the company does it. I mean, you know I think Orange are doing really well with the Brent Hines yep. era. Brent That's Hines. Doing really and I well. guess the Jim Root did really oh, well yeah. before that. Yeah. But they're probably maybe the only ones that ever have. Because mm. what, what are some other examples? Things like the John Mayer? Rubbish. Well, it's quite no expensive. It's worse. Worse. Probably example. the worst amp. Yeah. Probably the worst amp ever made. Um, <laughs> Joe, if you don't know, Joe's got a thing against John Mayer, which I, is I, I terrible. I follow this yeah. online. I was, hoping, <laughs> I, was, I was hoping this would come up. Yeah, yeah. No, it's terrible. And then what else have you got? The what EVH. Else is EVH the, that I mean, they, count. they do that quite well. Count. That's, that's like that's like the Les Paul. That, yeah, that's like a brand <laughs> in itself. In itself. Uh, but that we, head was designed by a guy who does not pick up his own gear. Hundred watt head is like it's like the back of a van. You can wedge it in the back of a van. It's yeah. And what's the what's the uh, the Satan? Who's that by the Randall Satan? Ola England. Ola England. England. That yeah. did really well. That did do really so well. So basically, signature amps do really well. Is what we've just decided. Oh. I'll tell you what we'll say as well. I'll tell you what we'll say is um, Rob Chapman's signature victory. Oh yeah, is fucking awesome. Yeah, the red dwarf. Wait, the red dwarf. Yeah. It is killer. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a little thirty watt lunchbox head, loud as hell. Does everything. Goes from like clean glassy clean all the way up to like shreddy metal and lose your crunch in between it's really cool i was really blown away by it very 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 cool so what did you um what, what have you been using live recently Sorry, yeah. it's all right totally no, got it's... Off track. um 
So I don't know if I'd have a signature. I don't know. I'm. I would love. Obviously, I'd love the idea of it, but I would. I couldn't tell you what it would be. Maybe just some signature I mean? presets on yeah. the Mass Effects. Yeah. Something like that. Well, since we since we last spoke, I'm gonna say it. I've got a Kemper. Okay. Oh. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. It's, it's bouncing around. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. So when we catch right. up with you in six months' time, you'll have a Helix. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> nah. I don't. Well, I don't know. Oh, well, come but on. I, don't, I had uh, obviously I was using Mass for a long time, and then they unveiled the Mass Three, which was bigger, and I was I looked at it and thought I just don't have room for this in my life. Yeah. I don't know how good it is going to be. How much better can it be? And the big thing for me as well is that. A lot of our, the UK crew, guitar techs and so on, they weren't really as au fait with the Axe Effects as they okay. are with Kemper stuff. And really, so that's, that's really interesting because yeah. yeah. Axe Effects has obviously been going a lot longer. Right, but I it's very American oriented. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But the thing about Axe Effects is it's direct, isn't it? It's they only sell direct, so yeah. Yeah. no one's really got any ha- hands on time with it. So yeah. Yeah. people always used to ask in stores like, "What's the Axe Effects like?" And I, I was like. I don't know I've never tried one. Yeah, yeah. I've tried everything else, but I can't. Yeah. I can't get one. So. And we always had trouble people bringing their XFX in. Just even like regular customers would be like, "Oh, I just need a bit of a hand if you if you don't mind." And mm. we would just be like, "I never had a chance no to idea. play one. Yeah. I just mm. don't know what you're doing." It's great and it sounds killer, but it is very complicated and there's so much to it. It was my first sort of foray into kind of modeling guitar processing kind of thing I mean obviously we've all used line 6 stuff forever mm-hmm. and you know that's 5 knobs bam 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 thank you very much it sounds really cool but something with a screen and grids and pages and menus I th- that's kind of like the antithesis of guitar stuff really I'm, you know, I've what, always been like um, kind of 5 knobs kind of guy what um, profiles are you using because I hear that there's one guy that makes all the best profiles is that Michael Britt yeah yeah they are really good really 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 good but I'm using um, I'm using um uh, I've profiled my all my orange stuff. Profiled okay, my Rock cool. of Verb three and one of my four by twelves. Sounds absolutely killer. But for what we're doing what we're doing live is we are using a Kemper for a load of direct stuff that I profiled in the studio for the new album. Because this is probably gonna answer someone else's questions later on. Sure. But um there's a couple of tunes which rely predominantly on a thermonic culture vulture okay which is a studio outboard yep. stereo valve distortion unit and it, you just plug it i plugged the guitar into a um, electro harmonics microsynth an old one that i got straight into the front of of this culture vulture into the desk okay and that's the sound because because that's the thing about kemper isn't it it's not and I profiled it. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're modeling a sound, aren't you? You're basically yeah. like firing white noise out and then capturing that, and it's creating a an impression of that sound. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and it's great. You can plug it into anything and fire the noise out and capture anything. So that's the great thing about capturing effects because if you've got a particular sound with, you know, a load of vintage gear that you're never going to get your hands on again, you're like, you might as well profile it there and then. Cause Absolutely, yeah. And I, I, was, I did a load of stuff uh, with a JHS color box straight into the desk oh, as well okay. oh, cool. which is super awesome it's raddest pedal in the world it's like an it's like an is it like a knee like a knee strip, yeah. Yeah, yeah in a box and just put that straight into the ssl desk and it sounds super cool we profiled that as well so you get this super direct thing because it's uh the profiles we're doing that with don't have any cabs on them yeah so and pressing that cabinet button is kind of like the doing this to the it just puts it like there right in your face yeah and um 
There's not really a substitute. So I'm using that the Kemper for that stuff. Um, it's still feeding oranges live, orange heads, uh, which run into orange cabs. So there's still loads of noise on stage. Um, but yeah, my, my, the main reason I did the switch was the fact that I was tired of being the only guy I knew who knew how to use an axe effects badly. I didn't even really know how to use it. <laughs> and backing it up is a pain in the ass. And, you know, you can you can change things globally on it where if you've got an amp and you've got lots of songs and it's got the same amp in, you can set it so when you change that one, it changes it in all of them. But it would forget to do that sometimes. I had problems getting it to sync up with the MIDI commands from our Ableton Live and just had loads of problems making it do the thing that it was supposed to do right. so and when, the, when they discontinued MIDI switching the ex- then? sorry yeah. doing midi switching yeah through yeah. Ableton oh cool through Ableton Live. and um, when when Fractal discontinued support for the XFX2 I realised that I knew I just had to get a shot of it because it would be become ultimately worthless at some point yeah. so I did that and yeah my guitar tech was like why don't you give one of these a try and I had a go and I thought it is I, I, it took me about and I'm not dissing the Axe Effects at all because it was, sounds absolutely killer. But And there's loads you can do with it. Absolutely tons. But um, I programmed a skinned red set into it. Took me about took me numerous days to do that. I programmed in the entire skinned red set into a Kemper in about 40 minutes. Yeah. Wow. Having never used one before in my life. Yeah, it's, and it, it sounds great. It's it, to me, it seems far more built for guitarists who have used normal guitar yeah. amps for their entire life. You know, interface is great. It sounds great, and it's a doddle to back up and maintain. You just stick a USB in, in the front, and it's it re- remembers, and which is great, which is what you want. You just uh, want things to be easy. Have you thought about making your profiles available anywhere, or you don't want people stealing them? Um, yeah, I've thought about it. I mean, I don't. I I profiled um, my I profiled my my rig, and it sounds great. The one in the box sounds great as well. They're yeah. in, they're in Rockover. I think it's a fifty watt head into a orange PPC four four twelve. Sounds sounds great. They both sound really good. You know, I I was lucky enough to have um a buddy who's got some really decent mics that you know, right. had some really nice pre's, but then they all the profiles in the box are done the same way. That yeah. You know, I've I I can't say anything bad about it really, it just sounds good. Uh, but I, I, would, if, I would like to I would love to stick some profiles up there and put them out there, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what maybe you should show those big things ones. You should be making them uh making them uh publicly available at the merch desk, that's what I'm saying. On a USB stick. Absolutely. <laughs> there well, you that's go. what I was just about to say. I was like <laughs> great bit of merch for the merch stand. Totally. All Get them down so- there on those uh, Skindred uh, signature USB sticks. You could sound this awful <laughs> for just fourteen ninety nine. So, do you um, just uh, and this is more of a technical thing? Do you have the Kemper sound going into in ears, or do you still have? Do you still rely on monitors and have everything? I am on in ears now for the first time. Actually, on this last tour, we started going to in ears, um, and that's totally changed my life. It's really, really, really cool. Um, but the way I have it is that all the all the effects and all the direct stuff is in the Kemper, which obviously goes straight to front of house and straight to ears. It's still feeding uh, two orange, it's pretty ridiculous, two orange Rockoverb 100 Watt Mark 3s on stage, which are then going into 4x12s, which have these integral microphones. I don't know if you heard about these. These are really cool, actually. This is a really, really rad piece of gear. I just came across this at the Birmingham Guitar Show. Yep. It's a company called Sam Systems who make this 10-inch or 12-inch microphone oh, no, we, which yeah. sits on the cone yeah 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 we did see these oh, it the looks a bit out. it looks a bit like a, a steering wheel, wheel. Yeah. yeah 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 you take the cone out you attach it to the cone put the cone back in forget about it it's the same every night 
and you put a little panel, an XLR panel through the back of the, the amp and you just put an XLR straight into it. And it's uh, it sounds killer. Just a really good dynamic mic in front of right in front of a vintage thirty sounds great. Basically. And again it's just sort of right there. Good live solution. I wonder what it would sound like used for recording. Being- yeah, I think the idea of them is I think that it's weird because I think they developed it for studio. Yeah. But I, I'm my question with it is how it will live up to touring because it's they're not particularly. My one criticism would be that they look like they're a bit flimsy. Yeah, but they're fine in the cab. But it's more like the, like the the cabling and the attachment. It's sure. not. It's like it's not. It's not it's like, meant for studios, maybe. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it was stand up to being thrown around in the back of a van. Yeah, mm-hmm. potentially, but I don't know. But um, for me, you know, anyone switching to that sort of modelling stuff or doing any of that stuff, it's all about consistency. Yeah. I'm putting on the same show every night as best you can. And so with the integral thing, it's like, you know, a, a microphone could move three millimetres any direction and completely make you yeah, yeah, yeah. total what, dog shit. One of the things we talked about, I think, last time you were here was you were talking about doing some home recording. Did you get anywhere with uh, setting that up? Maybe, yeah. Maybe some, like, video stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were talking about that last time I saw you, weren't we? Um yeah, I, I, I did. I wrote ninety percent of everything that I brought to the the table on the album at home. Um, I'm still because the weather has been so against us in the past sort of four to five, six months. Yeah, I haven't made any headway with. I'm building a a purpose built studio at the end of my garden. Oh yeah, yeah, and um, proper shed. Yeah, proper like audio man cave, <laughs> mainly because. I live in the spare room with all my stuff and yeah. it doesn't go down very well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we live, we, we moved out and we live in this nice house and I have basically just taken over three quarters of the house with all my shit. Of course. And so I'm being exiled out to the end of the garden <laughs> like a troll. <laughs> Which is fine. I'm I'm absolutely fine with that. But I just haven't made any headway with it. Okay. I've got I've got everything planned, I've got the budget, I've got the plans, everything, but this the weather has been such shit. Yeah. You need to make a big hole, fill it with concrete, build the thing. Come on, and I've got it all sorted, but yeah. And we, we had a weekend of nice weather. You could have done all that in two days, I surely. Think I, I think I was away. Right, okay. <laughs> I was uh, pining at the end of my garden from, uh, you know, a video connection going, I could be there, <laughs> sweating <laughs> over a spade and shovel, mixing cement. But here I am in Acapulco. Uh, <laughs> damn, damn. Jesus Christ. Could have been here for some nice bank holiday building. <laughs> yeah. A bit of DIY. It's um, coming along. It's coming. Good, along. good. I'll look forward to that. I think it'll be um, interesting to see yeah. the stuff that you, uh, that you come out with. Shall we, um, let's take one more question and then we're kind of up at the end of this and then we'll do some more in the Patreon, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Tristan says, are there any venues you've yet to play that you want to? Oh, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I'd love to do Red Rocks in Denver. Never played there. Um, I always wanted to headline we played there a bunch of times but we never headlined the Astoria in London which okay. I'm still sad about even though it's long gone but would have loved to headline there even though we're a bigger band than that nowadays but back then it would have been sort of a real goal because that's mm. when I was a kid going to gigs in London I'd race up on the train and go and see bands at the Astoria yeah. you know? and we man- we never played there for years and then one year we played there like six times supporting other bands like 12, 13 years ago and, but we never got to headline there which is a bit of a, a, bit of a shame but yeah Red Rocks always looks so bloody cool I don't know if I've seen anything from there is it like up in the mountains type it's, thing uh, I mean yeah it's um, Incubus did that DVD there okay um, it's a big one on the uh, on the American sort of touring it's like an um, out, outdoor outdoor amphitheatre okay yeah. it's great though amazing just looks brilliant um, yeah never been there and I lived in Denver for about three years about um, ten years ago 
and never even went there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dream venue next yeah. door didn't go in. Yeah, 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 no big deal. Yeah. I um, I don't think we can finish the podcast really without talking a bit about the your Manson signature model a bit more. Oh, I know okay, we will okay. talk about well, it. On okay, the oh, Patreon, let's do let's but... do one more question because there is actually a question about the guitar. Um, Jake yeah. says the MD one. Is there anything that you would have done differently if you were making a more expensive slash budget model? Um. And oh, sorry. If you were making a more expensive model, slash budget wasn't an issue. Is this your perfect spec? Is the question. Um, in terms of, in terms of a happy medium between myself and Manson, what? definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously. Can, can you give an overview of the guitar as well? Because it was only announced yeah. at NAM, I guess. Yeah, and yeah, we've yeah, spoken about it a couple of times on there, but let's. Yeah. Okay. So it's um, it's Manson's MA shape, which is kind of Telecaster-ish. A sort of it's offset telly. Offset telly. It's not to be confused with their MB shape, which is the Matt Bellamy one, which is a lot more melty looking. It's got right, a yeah. bigger sort of boob shape horn yeah. up top, which I'm not a big fan no, of. No, this one's yeah. much more tasteful. Yeah, I think it's a bit more, you know, they, they do a load of production ones that are that shape as well, but they don't. What's unique about this one is it's a bit more vintagey looking, it's yeah. a bit more traditional. It's kind of based on that telly deluxe, um, telly custom Keith Richards kind of big scratch plate um les paul style wiring and uh you know pickup layout all that stuff um what's what else is different about it it's got most of manson's necks have a soft v which i'm not a huge fan of right and that's got more of a standard c kind of thing it's a bit more oh, it's, but it's chunkier than sort of standard thin yeah because you were always using uh highway one next weren't yeah. you yeah 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 which i love yeah yeah and uh, you know i sent up a, a couple of guitars to manson and said this is what i want this to be like again the highway ones have humongous frets, yeah. yeah which yeah. is absolutely killer and i you know i don't tour with those guitars anymore because they're just too precious to me yeah, yeah and ultimately that um that silver telly is worth nothing to no one it's two pretty affordable guitars slapped together with yeah. a bunch of other parts but if that was ever destroyed or stolen or broken on the road i would it would be, I would be inconsolable. So yeah, yeah. It lives at home where it's safe. It'd be awful, but, wouldn't it? Because, like you say, it's worth nothing to you know. If yeah. you saw it in a, no, you know, a pawn shop or whatever, you no, wouldn't pay any money for it. It's a Mexican standard <laughs> uh, Telecaster with a Strat neck on it and some Seymour Duncan hot rails. And did you paint it? Did yeah, you paint with it graffiti yourself? paint yeah. with Montana gold graffiti <laughs> yeah. paint, and then it all came off on my jeans. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got a pair of jeans that are like got a big silvery crotch. Great, and great. that guitar and we've all been I, there yeah, if, yeah exactly if either of those go I'd be really really gutted but yeah the, 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 the Manson SIG the MD1 is I'm really stoked with it I just wanted it something to be I wanted the, the idea that someone would like it and they'd never even heard of the band or me or give a shit about any of that yeah. because that's not really what it's about just wanted it to be a cool guitar it's but, a tasteful it's, sort of everyone's guitar like right. for, you know some people like the, the Matt Bellamy is a great example of a signature right. model that's gone too far, sort of. Right. Or, or it's very specific. Perf- so yeah, perfect for the people who want exactly Absolutely. that guitar. Yeah. yeah. And I, to, for me, I was never grew up being the kind of, I want to be that guy about anybody. You know, obviously everyone has like a top five or top three of people who really do it for them. But, you know, people love Hendrix, but I never wanted to be like Hendrix. Yeah. Why would you even bother? Why would you even try? You know, <laughs> and, you know, if you're going to have a signature guitar, I think. I don't know. Maybe, maybe one day I'll be at a, a, a level where there's like four thousand people who want to be exactly like me. But I just don't. But I don't believe it. I don't. Believe it. I don't <laughs> yeah. Doesn't seem like a thing. It's weird. I don't know. I just wanted to make something that would appeal to different people. And every reaction we've had out of it has been exactly that. I've been old guys going, 
this is brilliant and then you know young kids shredding on it and they've got a video of this like 11 year old shredding <laughs> shredding like sparks coming out of the thing like and then some <laughs> some like old guy playing like jazz chords on it and he's so at home you know I think that speaks I've um, oh, got Matt did it start as a signature idea that they were going to release like as an actual production or were you just like can you build me a guitar well, and Matt, then they were like oh Manson me. approached me um, a few years ago because short story Aria again our drummer is from Exeter Manson's are from Exeter he grew up going into that shop in a lot of ways that anyone who lives down here they know GAC mm -hmm. same thing Manson's is like the place if you're a musician you go there that's how he met other guys in his band at the time when he was a kid is to go there and hang out as a social sort of thing and so I've known the Manson guys for almost two decades and they approached me saying would you be interested in playing some of our guitars again none of their stock production stuff really did it for me and so they were very keen to you know offer something that was a bit more me and um had a couple of custom guitars built and they were really cool and then they basically took the plunge and said we want to do a signature for you and i said thank you very much let's do it so going back <laughs> going back to the original question if there was if money was no object right. is there anything about it that you would change was there something that you wanted to do that that it couldn't fit into the budget that was affordable um, for people? Just little aesthetic things for me, really. It's just stuff that you know I I like or would notice, but no one else would give a shit about. Like like I said, it'd be great if it was all nickel hardware on there because yep. I like the way nickel ages that kind of thing. But it's it's all of it's chrome just because of the nature of having something that works on a left-handed guitar and a right-handed guitar. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure if it's been made clear, but all the stuff that they do is for this for this signature. It's all available right-handed and left-handed so it comes in different a couple of colors was there a part of you that wanted to be a bit vindictive and just only make <laughs> it available left-handed do you like the Kurt Cobain <laughs> thing no I mean I was worried that they wouldn't want to make any lefties and that would be a really big sort <laughs> that of would have been, that would have been outrageous yeah but it's I think they're still waiting for the the MD the MD1s to turn up in this color but the, I've only seen this one. This is the prototype, and there's the MD1 that they made right-handed. But mm -hmm. the MD1 is kind of the basic one with all the sort of stock stuff, Seymour Duncan pickups, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then the MD2 is the one with all the upgrades. And I think the uh, the MD2 is actually supposed to have a flame neck. Okay, thing. flame neck, in, like the the hardware that you see on that one, um, the psychopath pickups, locking tuners, that kind of stuff. Just the extra little. Yeah, yeah, that you can sort of splash out for. You can, if you're not interested in any of that, you can. So that is that is what you would do if money was no object. You've done it already on the the, uh, the more expensive model. There you go. That and laser beams and loads, <laughs> sure. of, loads of MIDI shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we like. I'd have, a, I'd have a hamster going around in a wheel underneath the bridge that powers the LED fretboard. Nice. It's just in there, like um, Disco Stu. Uh, Disco Stu's fish in his uh, <laughs> shoes. Exactly that. Exactly that. Um, with that, talk about Disco Stu. We should um, we should end the podcast here. We're going to go over to um, Patreon and ask some more questions. Uh, we've got questions about quite a lot of stuff actually. Um, stuff about um, work, just working in a rock band. The mm -hmm. kind of ins about day to day of working in a rock band. Mm -hmm. um, what's it like being a lefty guitarist? Got questions about ZZ Top. We got a question about Rob Chapman mm -hmm. um, and Tate uh, effects. We've got. A question about, Tate, a question about Tate effects as well. Cool. So we'll do all, all all that over on the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. We're from as little as one dollar a month. You can support the Guitar Nerds podcast. At five dollars a month, you get the extra half an hour of Guitar Nerds content every week, plus exclusive interviews and some exclusive mini series. And at ten dollars, you get your name read out 
like these people have. Joe Branton <laughs> will attempt to read the uh, people uh, in one breath. Yeah. I'm going to do no music this week because I think the last few weeks uh-huh. you've gone off lightly yeah. by not mentioning Why? the names correctly. Oh, right. So okay. this week I want no backing music. But there music. are more names now. I want a more oh. focused approach from you, Joe Branton. Fine, okay. I'm ready for I'll this. give you a countdown. What's my countdown? 100. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> 99. <laughs> It'll be a 3, 2, 1 okay. and then you'll go one breath and you've got to do it all and the names have to be uh, audible. Okay. Okay, <laughs> 3, 2, 1, Go. Ryan McDermott, Robert Cousins, Rob Gruel, Nate Nagel, Tucker Amadon, Ernie Cooper, Emery James Baker, Christoph Rapsif, Zane Omar, Matt Roberts, Dave Lee, Derek Ritzer, Martin Cliff, Matt Davis, Aaron Sherman, Blake Wyland, Jake Gray, Christopher Loseth, Juan Corrier, Scott Kennedy, Robin Smith, Rob Nordrick, Rob Grant, Derek Rich, Chris Connors, Andy Joyce, Carlos Mantra, Steve Markle, Blair Toms, Mark Cross, Brad Page, J.D. Short, Andy McKenzie, Laurie Anstis, Paul Corrigan, Will Clare, Scott O'Brien Phil Thompson Moo Gravit Colin Anderson There you go I can keep going You see I'm not even Struggling at all I could keep going Give me your names I'll read your names out I can breathe forever Very good I'm impressed um, So the one person That Jay works with Who's on the list Is the one that you Got wrong after Many that? many weeks Who was that Which one it's Christoph Christoph Rapsish Sure. <laughs> sure, that's his Rapid-ish. name. That's his name. Anyway, Rapid-ish. if, if get, you want, get a better name. If you want more of that, you can go to <laughs> patreon.com uh, and hear Joe, uh, patreon.com forward slash Kitana to hear Joe talk in his own little mini series. You can also, if you want to join the conversation, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Kitana's forum. You can go to Twitter at Kitana's, Instagram at Kitana's, youtube.com forward slash Kitana's videos. And Mikey, where can people find things about you on the internet? All right, so on Instagram and Twitter, it's Skindred Music. It's Skindred Official on Facebook and Skindred.net is our website. How about you? Because you put up some interesting guitar stuff on, on Insta. Yeah, Do you want people to follow you there? Absolutely, yes. You've got to grow your personal brand. Absolutely, no. yeah. Why wasn't I thinking about that? Okay, um, Mikey Demus, all one word, M-I-K-E-Y-D-E-M-U-S on Instagram, Twitter, and also on Facebook, I believe. Yeah. And um, trying to think if I have any others. No, Bebo, uh, Friendster, no. Friends Reunited, <laughs> LinkedIn, no, yeah. none of that. Do you want to give out your mobile number? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to go and do another half hour. Like I said, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. Thanks very much for listening this week. Cheers, gang. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 